So this is the audit firm regulator, and last week they adopted, or they did not adopt, but they put out for review a proposed auditing standard for audit firms to report more regularly to corporate boards, to their clients. This is Tom Fox. Today, Matt and I take up a proposed rule change by the PCAOB in the potential creation of audit standard 240. In this standard, auditors will be required to identify compliance rules and regulations applicable to a company and test and see if there are any violations. It could be a very big change. A fascinating discussion of a difficult subject. I know you'll enjoy this episode. The award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Matt Kelly for another episode of the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds. Welcome back, Matt. Hello, Tom. Good to be here. Matt, in the midst of a stunning week of legal announcements and developments, there was a fairly stunning announcement out of the PCAOB over the past couple of weeks. You wrote about it last week, and I thought it'd be great to visit about it. What did the PCAOB say? Sure. So this is the audit firm regulator. And last week they adopted, or they did not adopt, but they put out for review a proposed auditing standard for audit firms to report more regularly to corporate boards, to their clients, to look at for, look for and report on compliance and legal violations. So this would be beyond just mere fraud or misstatement of financial statements through innocent mistakes or anything like that. This is a proposal that audit firms must now look more diligently and more thoroughly for legal and compliance op- violations at their client companies. And if the audit firm finds one, they have to more quickly communicate that to senior management and the board so that, in theory, the board and management can then respond to those potential compliance violations in a prompt manner. Uh, This is not without controversy. The board put this out for proposal on a 3-2 vote. That is rather unusual. Usually the Usually it's 5-0 votes for pretty much everything. Unlike prior PCAOB boards, which were highly dysfunctional, this one really has not been. They've been in place together now for the last year or so. And usually it's a 5-0 vote on pretty much everything, let alone just a proposed standard. We don't know when this might come to final form. We don't know what the final form might be like. It is open for public comment from now until early August, but if you are an audit firm, if you are an auditor, if you're a board director, if you are a compliance professional, you'd want to pay attention to this, and if you have some feelings and thoughts about this proposal, you might want to submit a comment because it could be a big deal. So, Matt, you correctly noted the auditor's duties on illegal acts. But what struck me was maybe prongs one and two to identify uh, laws, regulations, and procedures that where the company is in noncompliance and it could have a material impact on financial statements, and then to evaluate the internal controls around them. This, to me, seems like a huge expansion of what auditors have done in the past. Did I get that right? Yeah, you did. 
So basically, I'll go through the three big things that this proposed new standard would be. It would be named Audit Standard 2405, Companies Noncompliance with Laws and Regulations. The audit firm would need to do three things, and you've called out two of them already. First is to identify. So audit firms would need to establish through new inquiry and other procedures that they would need to develop the audit firm would need to go through and look at what laws and regulations are applicable to the company and where non-compliance could have a material effect on the financial statements. Certainly, for for example, a large FCPA violation, if you're looking at a billion-dollar fine, you know, that would definitely strike me as material. So, you know, auditors might be looking at something like that, but how would they identify the procedures they would use to be testing for this? That's something that they would have to think through. Okay, now, or however you do it, you've identified what the risks are and what your procedures are, then you have to evaluate. So you have to go through and actually look and see, has any non-compliance actually happened? For example, they would need to think through the audit firm. How would we evaluate this? Will we need to hire some expertise? Will we need to hire FCPA forensic analysts if the client company has high FCPA compliance risks? so that we can sift through the data, we can test it. So now you've evaluated and maybe you think you found an issue. Now you third part of this is you'll have to communicate it so it would make clear this new standard that the auditors would have to report to the appropriate level of management. What is that? Kind of sort of depends, I guess, on what you find. But you would have to report your compliance violation you think that you have found to the senior level of management or the appropriate management level and to the audit committee as soon as you are aware of what non-compliance event you think you've found. So identify, evaluate, communicate. Those are the three big prongs. You kind of sort of have auditors pretty much doing that for financial improprieties anyways, like accounting fraud or weak internal controls or risk of material misstatement. Now, do all of that, but for compliance obligations, except there's a much broader range of potential compliance obligations that a company could find itself in trouble with. So yes, this is an awful lot of new stuff audit firms might have to do. So how broad is the initial review to determine what laws regs or procedures either apply or might apply. That seems to me to be uh, a very broad remit. Well, yes, it is. And there are, like I said, this went down on a 3-2 vote among the PCAOB board members. And there are many other people out there who follow auditing standards closely who think this is not a good idea, mostly because audit firms are trained to audit financial statements. Now, Sure, if you trip over a big compliance violation, that might be something that you could recognize. But audit firms are not experts at what we're talking about here. And I think, Tom, there was actually one statement from Christina Ho. She is a woman who is on the PCAOB board. She was one of the people who voted against this proposal, and she put out a statement about why. And her words here, I think, bear meaning, where she said, this is where having auditing experience makes a palatable difference in understanding the proposal's impact on auditor responsibilities. Now, in the genteel world of audit standards, Ho's Words here, like that's some pretty barbed and sharp commentary where basically she's saying audit firms don't know how to do this. 
This is going to be a big expansion of what they're doing. And those people who think it's a good idea don't know what they're talking about. And there are fellow board members who thought this was a good idea. This is like this is some pretty pointed internecine criticism and dis, you know uncertainty and discord on the PCAOB about this standard. But it's perfectly reasonable to ask who's going to pay for all this? Because the answer is you, client company, you're going to pay for it with higher audit fees. But if board, if audit firms need to hire specialists to help them, even just evaluate a potential compliance violation, not conduct any sort of full big forensic thing because you think you found one. You're going to have to hire experts just to kind of sort of feel like, I think there's something here. Let's dig even deeper. That's going to be expensive. It's going to be a big expansion of what audit firms might have to look at. It would maybe take longer for your audit to be performed. Although in theory, you do have specific deadlines for annual audits to get done. So there's a lot of questions here about, you know, is this a good idea or not? I guess uh, you can always expand legal obligations and audit duties based upon changing facts. And if this PCAOB feels like there needs to be additional oversight and review of compliance programs from the auditor perspective as opposed to legal or compliance perspective... I find that at least a reasonable position to take and to claim that simply because they haven't done it in the past, they can't learn how to do it in the future, I think belies the intelligence of auditors. And certainly her to say, well, Tom, you can't tell an auditor what to do because you're not an auditor. Well, of course, the oversight body can do that. I think we should distinguish between two separate threads here, that there is a difference between the audit firm looking at the compliance program and is the compliance program working or not, and the audit firm essentially acting as a shadow compliance program of its own, looking around for its own compliance violations that it might find. And I do think, yes, an audit firm could potentially look at a compliance program and see is it good, bad, or otherwise, but I don't know that they should be you know, setting up shop as a compliance program in exile and then sending it the bill for that as part of the audit fees. That is a different thing. On the other hand, Let's go back to the three PCAOB board members who did vote for this, and what is the logic here? They're not wrong to point out that the whole purpose of having an audit is to support the investors and give investors assurance that the company knows what it's doing and you can trust it with its money, with your money. So now that's fair. And one person who came out in favor of the proposal was PCAO board, PCAOB board member Kara Stein, who was a former Securities and Exchange Commission commissioner during the Obama administration. And she basically put out her own statement calling this a return to roots for auditors, that they are supposed to be looking out for investors, finding weaknesses and deficiencies in the company of any kind, and then bringing that to the board so that the board can then turn to management and say, well, we have this issue. Do something about it. Do it now. And she gave the gift that keeps on giving, of course. She cited the example of Wells Fargo because one of the only things I think that Wells Fargo did not screw up, and Tom, you and I have talked about this before, Wells Fargo never actually had to restate its financials. It got everything else under the sun wrong. Every 
I don't think there is a single thing Wells did not screw up in the 2010s and into the 2020s about fake account scandals and you know all sorts of things, billions and billions of dollars in regulatory fines. But you know, like where were the auditors? And you know that is a valid complaint, and people bring it up all the time. They had compliance violations from here to Bayonne, New Jersey. And yet, the only thing that the auditor is, you know, technically looking for is, is there a material risk of misstatement of the financials? And you know, the answer for Wells was no. It was the only thing they ever got right. So is that healthy for the investors? Does that help anybody? Uh, the, the bank was a mess. So maybe we should expand the duties of the audit firms and make it crystal clear to them that if you see big compliance violations... That's still a problem that you, audit firm, have to bring up to somebody because otherwise, what are we doing here? I see Ms. Stein's point. On the other hand, I also see Ms. Ho's point that this is a dramatic expansion of what the audit firms were asking them to do. I'm not entirely sure that they know what to do. I'm going to presume that maybe the audit firms, I don't even know if they want to do this or not. I mean, on one hand, yes, it's more billable hours. What firm wouldn't like that? On the other hand, it's more responsibility, and I don't necessarily know that audit firms are fully equipped to be able to do this, especially if it does wind up being this compliance program in exile that Ms. Ho is sort of sketching out. And uh, there's a lot on both sides to say this is a good idea and a bad idea. I don't know where I come down on it. Who's the constituency against this, Matt? Uh, I think probably the CFOs who have this sickening feeling that their audit fees are going to go up even more, which they will if this comes through. Companies aren't going to love it. I also think that internal auditors and compliance officers, I wouldn't necessarily say they're going to be against it or that this would be pitted against you, but game out how some of this would work. Under the proposed standard, the external auditor would go and ask the internal auditor, are you aware of any compliance failures or violations right now? Now, what if you, the internal auditor, say, no, I, I don't think so. Our compliance program seems to be fine. You can talk to the CCO. We think, you know, there's, everything's okay. And then the external auditor goes and finds a concern. The external auditor is now supposed to go to the board and say, we found this compliance violation. And by the way, when we asked internal audit and compliance if they knew about anything amiss, they said no. That will not be a fun conversation for internal audit and compliance then to have with the board. Maybe you are in the right and the external audit firm is wrong because maybe they don't know what they're doing. Maybe your program is weak and you didn't know it and you just got caught out by the external audit firm. Either way, the audit committee of the board is going to be sitting there saying, what's going on? How come we're the ones sorting this out? You all should have been able to figure this out first. So there will be an impetus there for internal audit and compliance to think through and be on your game. If audit firms are going to have be looking for more types of violations, then the board, senior management, internal audit and compliance will all have to be thinking more on your feet about what do we do if they find one? What if we do if it's they find it and it's legit? What if we they find something they think is right, but it's not? How are we going to respond to it? Because if you sit on it, then under federal law and federal securities law, an external auditor can be obligated to report it to law enforcement 
if they bring something to you, the audit committee, and the audit committee doesn't do anything with it, there are many circumstances where the external auditor would then have to turn around and say, well, forget you, client. We have to go to the SEC or the FBI with this. We're, that's the law. It's Section 10A of the Securities Act. So how are you going to respond to a audit firm that is now under more pressure to look for more things? Because they'll find more things. So, Matt, how does this play out in the rulemaking process? It's a proposed rule. Is it out for comment? And then if so, how long will a commentary period last? And then what happens after the commentary period closes? So it is out for comment right now. And you can go and you can look at the PCAOB website and you can read the proposal. You can then submit comments. Anybody can submit comments. And if you have anything to say, I think this is a really good one where, like, if you have something on your mind about this, speak up. This is an important proposal. It is out for public comment technically until August 7th. I think if you submit it after that, you probably will have your comments recorded anyways. What happens after that? I don't necessarily know. We don't have any set timeline on when the PCAOB might adopt a final standard. We don't know what that final standard might look like. It might look substantively different than what we have just talked about here today and what the initial proposal is. Technically, after that, once they do adopt the proposal as final, then it would go to the SEC for double approval. The SEC pretty much rubber stamps every single audit standard the PCAOB adopts, so I wouldn't necessarily see that as a big deal. On the far, far side of this, I would also not be surprised if somebody somewhere tries to launch litigation against this standard if it ever comes to pass, but we have to wait and see. It could be a couple of months, could be next year, could be never. We don't know. Could all go back to the drawing board, and we have a very different rebooted proposal to revisit sometime in the future. It's going to be potentially a long game. So the one, I don't know if this got lost with all the other news last week, but this is one of the most significant things for the compliance profession, certainly from the audit perspective we've seen in a long, long time. So I hope your our listeners will heed your advice, read it, and comment however way they deem appropriate. All right. So with that, Matt, I can't wait to see what the week brings us. Thank you, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. Matt and I suggest that if you're interested in this proposed rule, you should comment on it. It's certainly going to bring a lot of comments and could be a big change for the compliance profession. It would certainly be a big change for the audit profession. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever great podcasts are listened to. Matt and I look forward to visiting with you again next week on the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.